Well, we got a mixed up episode of Backlash Podcast today. We're going to talk to four different guests, four different guides about musky lures. We're going to talk to we're going to talk to them about underrated, underutilized, or overlooked musky baits. Some of the stuff I wouldn't say is too far off the beaten path, but some of it is. It's definitely something we haven't done. I don't know that we've ever done more than one or two guests at a time. Have we even done two guests on a show other than if they have them, if they're piled in over at your house, Brad? Yeah, that would be the only time that I think we've done it that way. That's for sure. But um, yeah, it's kind of a, a whole new way of doing something here. And uh, ultimately, I think we got a bunch of good information about the same topic. So it was kind of fun. I think we should do it again at some point. Yeah, I won't disagree. I think we should do it again. I th- and if you, you know, as the listeners, we say it all the time, this is your podcast. So if you like what we did, then let us know that you liked what we did. And if you don't, or if you have suggestions on what we should do, or if you have a suggestion of four other guests that you would like to hear from on one topic like this, let us know. We'll certainly do that. But um, anyways, you know, if you're looking for musky gear yet for Christmas, you can check out teamrhinooutdoors.com. That's my uh, company. We're a retailer in the musky world, and we have pretty much everything, I would say, most things. If you need it, for the most part, we have it, except for rods and reels. Those guys are a little stubborn as far as what they'll give out to uh, to retailers, especially ones that don't have a brick-and-mortar location. So you can only find us on the Internet, teamrhinooutdoors.com. And I think, Brad and Kerry, you guys want to talk a little bit about some special deal you got going on starting yesterday, I believe, right? You're going to run this starting December 8th? Yeah, starting starting on December 8th, Brad and I decided to kind of do the 12 days of Christmas slash kind of deal. So every day of the sale will be a different bait, clothing, whatever featured on sale. Every customer who makes a purchase will then get their name thrown in the hat. So at the end of the sale, right before Christmas, we're going to draw for a $100 gift card off for our website. Um, the sale will go till the 20th of December so that we still have a few days to try and get packages there before Christmas. So anyways, to recap what Carrie just said, if you're going to muskymayhamtackle.com from the 8th of December through the 20th of December and you make a purchase during that time, you'll enter it in for a $100 gift card through their website. And the winner will be chosen, I don't know, I'm guessing sometime shortly after that. Obviously, for same thing for our website. If you're shopping, shop early because I know that there will be postal delays. I'm certain of it. But anyways, it's a cool little deal. Go check out. I'm, I'm assuming you'll announce on Facebook and Instagram or whatever what bait it is that day that people can save on. Is that correct? Yeah, and I'm, I'll probably send out an email blast too every day. The other part to this too, Jeff, is um, the people that purchase on that day, say today is Double Showgirl Day, the people that buy Double Showgirls on that day will be thrown into a hat also to be able to possibly win a 12-inch sticker. So we're just, uh, yeah, we're going to try doing this little promotional deal, and I think it'll be fun, and I think people will probably enjoy it. You know, each day is going to be a different bait, and from there, they are possibly going to be winners of a 12-inch sticker or the $100 gift certificate at the end. So kind of a neat deal. Cool. I'm waiting for uh, Hooded Sweatshirt Day so I can put my order in and get entered in to uh, get myself a sticker or a $100 gift card. So let me know. Give me a heads up on what day is going to be Hooded Sweatshirt Day, Carrie. I already shipped you a hooded sweatshirt. <laughs> well, then I guess I don't have to worry about what day is Hooded Sweatshirt Day, but... Maybe Mel stole that sweatshirt already. Maybe. I don't know. I haven't been out to see if Speedy came yet today, so maybe. You do have Mel and four kids, though. I do. do. Well, maybe they all want musky mayhem tackle for Christmas. We'll have to see. Maybe I'll have to think about doing that. All right. Well, then, if you, uh, speaking of Christmas time, one thing, we we have a promotion going on on our Facebook page. We're probably, I don't know, since this will be like the 8th or the 9th, we're like the 9th day, and we call it the TRO Days of Christmas. We give away a $20 gift card, and all you got to do is follow the simple rules on our website. All you got to do is we normally put up a post every single day. You go and you find that post, or you go find that product on our website. In there it says TRO Days of Christmas, Day Whatever Letter. Collect all the letters in line. It spells out a phrase. Then you can go submit that to us at the end to 
win the grand prize. It's usually a $100 gift card at the end. So we give away roughly $600 in gift cards of the course of December on our website. But you got to go through Facebook to find that all. And then you go and refer back to the website. So that's still going on now. I think, like I said, we'll be eight, nine days in by the time you hear this podcast. And uh, that's about all we got going on as far as uh, announcements for this week. I think we should just start rolling out the first guest and get on talking about underrated, underutilized, or overlooked musky baits. What do you guys think? Sounds like a game plan, Jeff. Um, Looking forward to this one. It should be fun. All right, we got Steve Jensen on with Jensen's Fish Hunts Guide Service. And the topic of this entire podcast is we're talking baits. Underrated, underutilized, overlooked, however you want to talk about them. That's what we're talking about. Steve, I know that uh, you're super busy with all the fishing that you're doing lately. That's a... <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've been super busy, Jeff. <laughs> yes, very. Anyways, uh, let's talk a little bit about, about baits. You know, you got a couple of them, I think, that are be baits that people should consider putting into their arsenal for the, we'll call it the 2021 season. If you're still fishing, maybe it's something you could utilize now. Why don't you talk a little bit about something that, you know, maybe isn't so, you know, so I, it's, we'll call them, you know, overhyped or however you want to talk about it. Just a bait that people can go get off the shelves and catch muskies on. Right. Main, mainstream. And, and there are so many baits, Jeff, now that, uh, you know, obviously if you don't have them, you're, you're missing out. And, and we all throw them to the bulldogs and the cowgirls and um, you name it. But there's definitely some baits out there. And, you know, we've had kind of a resurgence of the dive and rise bait in the last handful of years here. Uh, a lot of guys going back to the old Tuuk, myself included. But I would say the one that I throw a lot, and, and you know, and I guess probably people who have watched our YouTube know as well, Jeff, but I love the old hellhound, um, particularly that squirrely hellhound. And I catch a lot of fish on that when, when other things aren't working. It's, it's a lure that I can shake muskies loose basically when, when I can't get the normal mainstream stuff to work. Um, not that we're not always throwing that stuff as well, because we usually are. But uh, when things get tough, or I feel like conditions are a little bit more difficult or the fish are showing me a neutral negative mood. Um, a lot of times I'll go to those glide baits and uh, I'm able to shake a fish or two, you know, loose from uh, maybe having a real bad day to putting a couple in the net. So um, that's something that I do a lot, as you know. Absolutely. So the one thing guys, guys will say about glide baits is we see a lot of fish on them. We don't catch them or they're terrible at hooking what's the secret to why why are you doing so well on glide baits when other guys say that they're search baits or however you want to talk about it yeah and that's definitely not the case in my boat uh, i love it when fish go for them we we have a pretty high hooking percentage we definitely work our baits a lot more erratic i think a lot of guys get into the the uh, kind of the basically getting in the monotonous retrieve where you're not shaking it up or changing your cadence um, increasing your speed, slowing down your speed, and throwing in all those pauses. These guys will get really rhythmic with it, um, and you need to trigger these fish with them. If you're real rhythmic with it, you can certainly get fish to come up and follow and look at it. By incorporating speed changes, direction changes, and certainly stopping the lure, create a lot more triggers. And when you create those triggers, when you have a fish that's following it, all of a sudden you create a trigger uh, directly in front of their face. And if they're in just the right mood, you can certainly get a fish that isn't hungry to bite. Um, as you've witnessed, as I've witnessed hundreds of times. So uh, it's certainly about how you work that bait. Uh, if I was going to say anything, I would say change your cadence, speed. Um, I work them probably quicker than a lot of guys do, but I also throw on those pauses. So I'm working them quick and erratically, but with a lot of longer pauses. And I think once you uh, get the feel for what the fish really like, um, duplicating that gets a lot easier. And the only way to do that is to spend some time on the water with them uh, work them in areas where where you know muskies are and working them at times where the muskies are active to see what kind of triggers make those fish react. The neat thing about it, it's twofold. I mean, if you're getting a follow and it didn't commit, at least you know where that fish was positioned so that maybe you can come back to that same fish or you can go fish another area that's similar to that where it might be holding some fish that are active. So it kind yeah, of goes, uh, it, like I said, it's twofold. Yeah, like I say, it'll shake a fish loose. So, right, it gives you uh, basically a direction. Uh, while this is the sort of structure where fish are moving, and a lot of times if a fish does blow up and miss or gets hooked and lost, uh, we can come back and catch that fish at a different time with one of the mainstream lures on a straight retrieve or at dark on a topwater, a cowgirl, or a bulldog, you know. So 
Um, there's times where we'll certainly do that, but we put a heck of a lot of them in the net on those things too. Um, the other thing I will do occasionally is upsize the hooks a little bit. I think the hooks are maybe a little bit small, especially on that hellhound. Um, but a lot of times I don't even bother doing that. So, um, it's a matter of having good sharp hooks. Like I think that's important. Um, having those things like razors and then again, incorporating those paws, they get those fish to eat. And a lot of times when they eat, they, they take the whole thing. Uh, for me, it's a pretty good hooking percentage lure, but you know, you're certainly going to miss a few. There's no doubt about that. So Steve, we want to talk about a couple of baits and the one thing you talked about, you know, not so mainstream or whatever, but the one thing that I think you're going to talk about now is blades and the different, the differing blades, you know, uh, uh, the, the two sizes of Colorado or different, you know, other blades. So why don't you talk a little bit about why you think those are so powerful and what's, you know, what's so great. Cause I know late season, you know, there was a certain bait out there that, uh, just came out that you did pretty well on. Yes. We, we crushed on it and it was pretty cool. And, um, you know, I think that's been a trend here in the last couple, three, four years, maybe uh, of guys, um, kind of, uh, experimenting with these staggering blades, differing sizes, blades, uh, differing shapes of blades. Um, and I think really it's just creating a different vibration, a different feel in the water. Um, especially on pressured fish that get to feel the same stuff over and over and over again. Um, you can still catch those fish on those lures, but you have to have the right environmental conditions, the right timing, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I think now when you create something that has a different vibration in the water, and we've seen this over and over and over again, and uh, I feel bad for the bait makers because they have to continue to try to reinvent the wheel and keep coming up with these new combinations uh, to get these fish to react. Um, and now it's the staggering blades and, uh, I've been using the 10, nine combo for musky mayhem for the last few years with good results. Um, throw in the musky frenzy stagger blades quite a bit. This last two years have done pretty well on those. And then when the new musky mayhem trigger came out this fall, um, I did really great on that thing. Uh, we had a dozen fish in it and just basically a couple of weeks of fishing it. Um, some really nice ones and lots of missed fish and, uh, they were reacting to it very aggressively and violently, unlike what you would normally see on the standard stuff where they all bite it, but it's more of a nip or a grab, um, not the aggressive violence attacks like we once saw on the cowgirls when they first came out. So uh, I definitely think it's something that, you know, not everybody's doing yet. Uh, more and more guys are catching on to it. Obviously, we're changing sizes of blades, changing configurations of blades to try to stay ahead to have something just a little bit different. Um, but that's just certainly the one thing that I'm doing a lot more. If we're throwing bucktails or on a bucktail bite, uh, almost invariably somebody in the boat is throwing a stagger blade of bucktail of some sort. Um, and lately it's been that trigger, which is really, really successful for us last fall. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what kind of results we can put together with that one, having it for an entire season. Like you said, it was a very short window for that, that bait, you know, mostly based off temperature. Things co got cool quick in September, kind of right. changed the bite yeah. a little bit. Yep. I didn't get a chance to really show them to the fish that I would have liked to, um, but had great success basically all the way up till, you know, late fall on that thing. Um, again, changing the speed, slowing it down as it got a little bit cooler, but till, uh, the very first lakes that we threw that thing in, it was pretty impressive to see the fish respond to it, jumping out of the water and flying into the eight and chasing it around numerous times and just chopping and slashing at it. Uh, so fun, fun to see that. Um, and again, really, you know, I, I think the magic of it is, is that differing vibration, uh, a little bit of different feel, obviously, you know, it's going to thump different, look a little bit different in the water as well, but you know, they, they feed off that lateral line a lot. And, uh, when you can stimulate that, it certainly creates good results. One of the neat things about the trigger too, uh, that maybe people aren't aware of is that we have that piece of metal that's underneath our clevises. And I think that kind of gives it a different kind of grind as well, besides having the two different size blades. So that's a cool option. And, you know, Danny Herbeck put a bunch of time into figuring some of that out for us and basically shared it with us to give it to the public. So that's been cool. We do have another bait that's going to come out soon. And I think Steve, uh, you might need to get one of those in your boat as well. Well, that sounds good. Looking forward to that. Uh, the other cool thing about that bait was that also has that 45-degree bend in the shaft, which is something that we have done, you know, to customize lures for night fishing uh, for years, and now you made a production one. I think that also adds that grinding metallic sound, too, and creates, again, that different vibration that the fish really kind of enjoyed last fall, that's for sure. 
Yeah, you know, it's one of those things that was kind of interesting. We shipped some of the first baits, and we actually had emails come back to us and say, hey, I think our baits got bent in shipping. Oh, yeah. Like, Almost every person I handed it to was like, hey, this thing is bent. I'm like, no, no, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, you know, it's one more step in the production game, but at the end of the day, it's worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Something a little bit different. A lot of times makes a lot of difference in the results, so. Uh, cool bait. Appreciate having them in the boat. As always, love throwing that Musky Mayhem stuff. And uh, looking forward to seeing what else you have coming out here this next season. Well, Steve, we appreciate you taking some time out, talking about a couple underrated, underutilized, overlooked, however you want to talk about them, baits. We have a few other guides we're going to talk to about this same topic as well, and we're going to combine them all into this one episode. So anyways, uh, Steve, by the way, if, if Brad ever stops talking about this new prototype and he gets baits to me, I'll make sure you got some, you know, TRO custom colors, Jensen sucker in your boat for 2021. <laughs> I'll take care of you. That will be fantastic. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. All right. We got Matt Seifert, Muskie Mercenary Guide Service. If you're familiar with our podcast, which we hope you are, we've had Matt on a, I don't know, handful of times. Carrie was trying to tell me today we hadn't had him on all season, but what does Carrie know? She's not even on the podcast ever anyways. So <laughs> it doesn't, at this point. You know, it, she was arguing with me, and I'm like, um, no, I'm pretty sure we had him on. So, yeah, August, that was when you got to go back to find it. Anyways, Matt, the reason why we have you on for this section is we're talking underrated, underutilized, and overlooked musky lures. So what uh, what do you have to bring to the table on that? I mean, we were, we were looking for one lure, but... I. I'm guessing you probably have a couple of different options that you're going to want to bring to the table on this. So Matt, first off, thanks for coming and spending some time with us tonight. Second of all, what do you got for over underrated or underutilized or overlooked musky lures? Well, first of all, thanks for having me on again. I have uh, a few baits. I don't have one in particular, but I pretty much stick to my uh, seven, eight, you know, type baits that I always use, but my top waters and my bucktails and uh, rubber baits and jerk baits, but I would say uh, this year, one that was fun to use uh, was the Royal Orba. I used them last, I don't know, when I ordered them from me last year, late season, had some pretty good fish action on them last year, and this year, I kind of forgot about them, and mid-season pulled them back out. It started fishing structure with them, and they were really good. They moved tons of fish, especially, I mean, they don't look like anything crazy in the water, but uh, moved a lot of fish on them, especially on vermilion, um, shallow rocks, deep rocks. They're real easy to uh, for depth control. And I don't know. I like them a lot. I didn't have, I had four or five of them of the same colors i haven't played with colors a lot but they seem to like all the colors so um i haven't tried it at night i will say that i know a couple guys that caught some fish after dark on them but i haven't tried them at night but they're nice easy to cast uh i had a lot of with covid this year i had some guys that couldn't come this year had some new people and everyone seemed to be able to cast it pretty easily which was another big bonus of it but uh, have you ever thrown one, Joe? I've only done it a little bit. I was going to ask you a little bit about yours. Like, how, what did you, what was your retrieve style like? Did you work it like a bulldog, or did you straight retrieve it? Because I kind of did a little bit of both. I didn't have much luck using it, but then again, I didn't play with it that long. I didn't use it like a jig. I know that I, it seemed like it was more like a casting bait, not so much in that jig style like Bondies are known for. Yeah, when when I used it, we just casted it. I didn't jig it at all. But this great retrieve, I actually had some guys from Green Bay um, fish with me under million this summer. And they said, oh, we just reel slow and then do a burst of speed so the royal orb kind of turns sideways. And I thought, well, that makes me twitch when I see the thing go sideways. <laughs> I kind of freak out when that happens. But it worked. It worked really good. Uh, just reeling it medium speed, give it a burst of speed every now and then back to regular speed. No jerks. I didn't see anything when I was jerking them. And if I did, I was really lazy follow. But the straight retrieve worked really good, and that's how we got bit as well. And actually, most of the bites I got 
saw a lot of fish on it when other stuff wasn't working, but most of the bites I got um, on Vermilion were, was on sand and three to five feet of water. And same thing with the rocks was that uh, five to seven foot rocks seemed to work the best when they actually bit it. They followed it everywhere. But yeah, straight retrieve for me was kind of the key. Myself, you know, this summer I played with them as well. And I think one of the neat things about them too, Matt, is, you know, the two blades on the tail. Those two blades, I think they're banging off of one, one another throughout the whole cast. And I think it probably has a little bit unique noise to, unlike a lot of the other rubber baits where most of the rubber baits are quiet in the water with no mechanical noise. They have a mechanical noise as they're coming in. Yeah, for sure. That definitely seemed to do something to the fish. It was, uh, I was surprised how much action we got. I even tried a smaller one. It was real small. And we had fish follow that and actually lost the fish on Vermilion on it. But one thing where I really thought they really shined was uh, turnover. We, I usually use uh, the Pounder Heli Dogs or regular Heli Dog for turnover weird baits like the giant Quirko, just kind of what I'd call underrated baits um, that I only use at turnover. Weird baits, you know, big 10-inch gliders, super slow, kind of dumb baits in my mind. But the Royal Orvo was actually one of the best baits we had um, for getting bites and seeing fish. It was the best bait for turnover, which was nice. It was easy to cast. We didn't have to jerk it, just reel it in. And it worked really well. So that was definitely my favorite thing about turnover this year was the Royal Orba. Yeah, I would agree. You know, it's kind of a, a unique bait in that sense, Matt. I think, uh, you know, there's times when I will just do like a slow pull, kind of let it fall and gather up my slack and that slow pull, gather up my slack. But honestly, they seem to stay in the right water column the whole time too. And that's kind of a unique part to that whole rubber bait too. I, I know... It's amazing how much lift you'll get on some of those baits, and that one does not seem to do that as easy. So makes it a little easier for fishing, that's for sure. Yeah, very, very easy to fish. The countdown is nice. You can keep it right where you want it. And it goes pretty good through the weeds, too. With the blades, keep it up high if you get it moving right away, or shallow rocks or sand, whatever. But so Yeah, I had fun with the Royal Order this year. That was a I don't think, I mean, a lot of people in my boat this year said, what's that? I've never heard of that. So I would have to say that was definitely it. It's an un, underrated, underutilized bait, that's for sure. I would agree. So now you have to throw it, Jeff. I'm going to have to do a lot more of it, apparently. <laughs> Every Maybe time. the Wisconsin fish don't like them. Wisconsin fish don't like a lot of things this year for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll join the club, Jeff. It was a tough year this year, that's for sure. It certainly wasn't easy for me. I guarantee you that. I got my butt kicked again today. But, um, yeah. So, moving out. I mean, so that's definitely one that, you know, I'm going to have to play around with a little bit. Every time I talk to Matt on these podcasts, there's always something that he tells me either need to play with bait-wise or action-wise or speed-wise or whatever. I think I learn as much on these podcasts from Matt as I do learning things on my own. So, Matt. I don't know. There... <laughs> it all sounds good. Please try it. Hey, you know, you know what's really cool about it, though, and literally, Matt, this is uh, to credit you as well. You know, you're not your typical angler where you get stuck in some of these ruts, and uh, you know, we all do at some point, right? Guilty. Yeah, exactly. But the thing is, with Matt, um, I really, truly enjoy fishing with him because he brings a lot to the table because he doesn't get stuck like a lot of people do. So, I think um, you know that's credit to him. But I think that's why you enjoy listening to it, too, you know? Yeah, it helps break me out of, you know, it's it's sometimes it's about changing your, your mindset or just offering up a different option, you know? It's like um, I went fishing I went fishing today on, on Green Bay, and I kind of conversed with a few of my musky fishing buddies about different tactics to, to attack this thing because everybody knows a super shad wrap works out there. Well, we don't carry super shad wraps currently hopefully at some point we will but we don't and so i don't want to i'm filming all the time and i don't want to run a super shad wrap so i'm trying to play around with different things and it's been <laughs> it hasn't worked and i won't 
I won't give into the super shatter app on Green Bay like everybody else, but we'll keep <laughs> we'll keep trying. Hopefully, hopefully, uh, I got another trip left in me. We'll see what happens. I don't know. I, I'm having a hard time even mustering the willpower to go take that last trip. But uh, <laughs> you know, we'll see. It's been it's been one of those seasons, Brad. We've talked about it often, and I'm re- I'm ready for it to be over. But at the same time, I'm not ready to give up. If that makes any sense. That uh, makes perfect Thanks. sense. That's just the determined musky angler in you. I was going to say yeah. that's the stupidity in me, not determined musky angler. If I was smart, I would just winterize my boat and be like, all right, she's done. I can't go fishing. It's over. The stupidity the stupidity part is part of being a musky fisherman, though. I agree. It truly is. <laughs> that's part of the no, territory. Nobody would deny that, I don't think, Matt. No, I don't think so either. You guys say I never get stuck. Well, I wish I could tell myself that and believe that every day. I feel like I'm stuck a lot of times and I can't catch them. <laughs> well, we all have those moments, that's for sure, when you're in the boat all day. You know, we all struggle at some point or another. And, man, when you start talking to other people and you're hearing that they're catching, it's it's really it's demoralizing, if you will. You know what I mean? And <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it, it's brutal. You know, I could be on the water doing my thing. And, and then a lot of times, like say me and you were guiding together or whatever, and you got two in the boat and I'm over there. I haven't even seen a fish, you know, now you're like, man, oh man, the, the knife is hitting the wrist. You know what I mean? But, uh, <laughs> it's part of the game. Yeah, it's good. It's a catch 22. You get frustrated, but at the same time, it's good to know the fish are biting. So you got You're doing something wrong. You got to adjust and remaneuver and do something else. So it's good. It keeps on your toes. Exactly. And, and, you know, it always pays back off. You know, you have your good days and your bad days. And uh, I guess, Jeff, for you, you know, you're still out there doing the thing. But it'll happen. It's just a matter of time. Can't quit. I keep telling myself that. As it works works so far. But I keep telling myself that. Uh, it's not making me feel any better, Brad, but it's all right. I'll keep, I'll struggle through. My concern is that if I quit right now in January, I'm going to be mad at myself that I quit, you know? So I'm just trying to power through and struggle through every day is a different, it's a mental struggle at this point more than anything. It's not, it's, that's it. It's just a mental struggle because I'm fishing the Fox river in the lower bay, you know, lower bay of green bay. I've caught so many muskies there that it's, I, I don't know. I can't even explain it. It's not like it's new water to me. So, Yeah. What's your water temp? Uh, today we're like 34, 35 in most places. So there was a little, oh, nice. kind of bay area that was a little bit frozen over this morning. It wasn't this afternoon. Wind picked up this afternoon, so I'm guessing it blew everything out of there. So I'd imagine, you know, we still got a little bit of time left in the season. The weather looks good yet for a little while, so we'll see how – But and we've seen Wisconsin weather change, especially in December, fast, much like Minnesota, you know, 38 one yeah. day, five degrees the next day, two days later, season's over. So, right. Yep. So, Matt, we got one under the, the Royal Orba. You got anything else that uh, you can add to underutilized, overlooked, or underrated baits? Yeah, I do. Everybody knows I fish for Monkey Bam Tackle, but and it can be a little bit of a struggle sometimes. Red and Terror are always making new baits. And I always have them in my boat, and it's just one bait after another, one bait after another. And a couple of years ago, when the JR4 and the JR3 came out, I mean, it was so fun. We got so many fish on it, and then new baits coming out, new baits coming out, and you're always testing baits. Well, I keep going back to those baits. Opener again, that was our hot bait, just like last year and the year before. And this September, you know, and it, I forget about it too. It's easy to forget about. I usually always remember to throw it on Vermilion, but I'm on these other lakes, slow rolling or whatever. I don't always throw it. But September this year, I was on Leech Lake. No one had caught a fish on the lake in like 10 days. People were telling me, don't come here, don't come here. I had a client. We went, we found this fish. I mean, we threw everything at it. We threw out a JR4 and it just annihilates it. I mean, it didn't, you know, we had a hit it inside out. We tried a different, couple different angles. And a friend of mine, um, Joe Peterson, had been up on leech. And he's like, man, they're eating JR4s. And I had a laugh because I was 
that same week, another friend of ours was on Miltona and said, oh, we just, you know, moving giants on the JR4 and lost an absolute tank. And it reminds me, too, all the time, we got, i got to remember to throw this bait. It's such a fun bait. Um, I personally like the JR3. was my favorite bait. So this year, I'm kind of switching over to the JR4 now. But that's a really good bait. A lot of people, I mean, the fish are either on it or they're not. So it's just always keep it in rotation, I think. That's a very underutilized bait. Most guys, they said, oh, I threw it for like a week. I didn't see anything, and they haven't thrown it since. Well, if you throw it all the time, you're going to catch fish on it all the time. It's an awesome bait. They kind of come unglued on it. Both of them are awesome. And the other bait would be the 10-inch matlock. Um, obviously, trolling it, most people do that. But casting a 10-inch matlock, I use a rubber tail on the back. And I would like to say I've tried a bunch of rubber tails, but I haven't. I have some, I don't know what they are. They look like just a, the twister end of a Mr. Twister tail. It's a 10-inch long when it's stretched out. I got it from uh, Smart Soccer Page or something. Um, and I have a whole bunch of them. But I put them on the back of my um, matlocks with the tail curled down, not up. And that tail curled down, it seems to get my bait deeper. I put it on the middle pin, cast it out, and just real slow, kind of give it a couple pops halfway back, switch and a stop, keep reeling it. And it comes in about 12, 13 feet deep on a bomb cast every time. Um, in the fall, one of my favorites, especially Malak, a lot of times I work in that 12 to 16 foot stuff, and I know my bait's right there, hitting bottom in 12 feet just hanging off the top and everything else. So that's another super underutilized bait. You know, you go out to fishy fall monkeys, everyone's throwing rubber usually. And I granted I'm putting rubber on the back, but you get a bite, the bait slides with their mouth, you got them hooked. You're not going to lose many fish on it. And it's something different and it looks awesome. Wait till you try it. You'll be very impressed. Great. So now I got to try to cast these things as well as that. I, I actually, uh, on Brad's home over there, I've twitched a, a, a headlock quite a bit, but it's a totally different deal because it's it wants to pop up so fast that you got to just keep ripping it down in order to keep it, in the, you know, in down in that strike zone. But, man, the fish definitely react to that ca- that bait casted really well. It's crazy. Yeah, I would agree with that. We had a really crazy – I was up in Canada a long time ago. We were throwing headlocks one time over 80 feet of water. And these fish were just acting insane once we threw, when we threw the headlock. But we'd, we'd actually rip it down a little deeper and then just twitch it. And it was crazy. It looked just like a glider. Um, and it worked good. We caught a couple fish, saw a ton of fish. But the matlock just went. I mean, I'm just straight retrieving it. Like I said, halfway back, stop it, give it a couple pops. But the matlock will swim straighter, deeper. And you can reel it pretty slow. And it's lighter than a pounder, so it's super easy to throw. Super fun bait to throw. I'll have to add that one to my list of uh, my my bag of tricks for 2021. I'm not going to be casting any matlocks this season yet. I'm going to be straight trolling that <laughs> stuff. <laughs> That's good. Your reels won't freeze in. Exactly. Well, Matt, we thank you for taking uh, 15, 20 minutes out of your out of your day here to talk about overlooked, underutilized, and underrated baits. So thanks, Matt. Hey, Matt, if anybody's looking to get in touch with you for 2021, do you got openings available? I do. I do have some openings available. Um, my cell is 651-357-8709. I'm on Facebook and Instagram as well, uh, Musky Mercenary uh, Guide Service on Instagram. Matt Seifert on Facebook. Uh, yeah, text me or shoot me a message. We'll figure it out. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, man. Always, always fun talking to you guys. We really appreciate you taking some time out to have our short little conversation, and it's always good to have you on the podcast. Hopefully at some point we'll get back to a complete episode, probably some night when you're hanging out with Brad till 2 in the morning. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how do you know we do that? I've heard stories. <laughs> Carrie, <laughs> Carrie tells me about them. It's four a.m. Jeff. Four, <laughs> not two. I could, I could two. totally believe it. Totally. Two is, two is amateur hour. 
(laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks again, Matt. We really appreciate it. Yep. Thank you guys. All right. Our guest right now is Jeff Hansen with Madison Muskie Guide Service. Jeff, we're going to talk about underrated, underutilized, or overlooked baits for this section. If, um, with this podcast, we're doing four different part or four different parts with four different guides, and you would be guide number three. So, Jeff, thanks okay. for taking some time out of your schedule. Why don't we talk a little bit about baits today? I know that uh, you kind of have quite a few different baits that aren't maybe so so mainstream, but why don't we take a look at least one or two of them? Yeah, one for sure would be the the big Joe um, that Musk Innovations now makes. I mean, that's been around, I mean, that's actually one of the first soft plastics for muskies that was ever out, and that's been out since the, the mid-80s, yet still people don't use them, um, which I, I don't understand. I mean, they've been a top producer for me since uh, the 90s. It's kind of a goofy-looking bait. Actually, the first time I saw one, uh, a friend of mine got one for Christmas, and uh, I kind of laughed at it. I went on a trip to Canada with him, and he ended up around with it and got a 49 inch on it and then after that i started ordering by the case and um then i've had years i put 70 to 80 fish a year in the boat on them so with that bait why don't you talk a little bit about how you know because if you look at it it looks i would say similar to maybe i don't know a medusa minus a tail but from what i understand you don't exactly work it that way what's your approach to working this bait um, but yeah, that's, that's the mistake a lot of people make with them and they don't end up liking them because they try working like a bulldog or a Medusa. It's not anywhere close to either one of those two. It's more of a, a jig than a, a jerk bait or a pull bait. Um, I use a, a seven, six extra heavy jerk bait rods, kind of the same rods that I'd be throwing to look any gliders on. And, uh, when I use, I get, I always use anytime I'm using any rubber. I use a, a wire leader. I use a 174-pound wire leader from uh, Spelt Tackle. And um, I just don't do a lot of action with the rod unless I make contact with the weeds, then I'll rip it free. But otherwise, I'm doing hard turns on the reel, pointing it at the lure, and just, just letting it hop. Um, if I want to keep it down deeper, I put the rod tip right down to the water and just do hard turns on it and make it hop. I'm not really doing anything with the rod. If I'm fishing thicker weeds or heavier weeds, I'm holding my rod tip up high. Um, swimming in and around the weeds and if i'm fishing really heavy covered then i'll do short short casts um especially if it's sunny out and you can see where the pockets are um and i've got 45 to 48 inch fish on them making 15 or 20 foot casts just flipping them into a pocket and just hopping it back to the bowl like like a jig there i mean super super easy to use one of the easier soft plastics to use because you're not ripping and pulling it really hard you're just doing everything with a reel so it's not hard on your body at all you can throw them all day without getting tired the neat thing, too, there, Jeff, is that they are relatively weedless. I've used them quite a bit over the years, and I use them in a couple different ways, similar to what you're talking about. But, you know, if you're out in that open water or maybe just on out off the edge of the break, it definitely works well that way, too. If you need to get a little bit of extra depth, they definitely will sink faster than a normal bulldog. Oh, yeah, with that, that rounded bottom, um, they sink almost three feet per second. And uh, working them deep in the fall is, is really good. You can throw them out off the break, count them down with the tight line to the bottom. You always want to make sure you're counting them down with the tight line because fish will bite them. Those two tails will flutter on the drop, and, and fish will bite them and then let it sink down to the bottom, and then you can keep it down deep, bring it right up the breaks. I mean, I'll use them in 20, 30 feet of water, right, hopping them right across the bottom just, just like a jig. Yeah, the other part to that is is you kind of almost got to watch your line because sometimes when you're dropping that fast, you don't always see the bite, but you'll see your line jump and it's moving. So I've had that happen with those baits as well. So, Jeff, with this bait, though, it sounds like you've been using this thing from start of the season to the end of the season. Is that right? It's not necessarily just like a fall bait. You know, like a lot of guys right. look at rubber in the fall. This wouldn't necessarily be that. Yeah, you know, it's not really that, that big a bait. I mean, it's a seven or eight inch bait. And I'll throw them in May all the way up till the lakes freeze up. I mean, they're good all, all season long. Summertime, the main time I'll use them in July or August is, is if there's a cold front or fish are sitting real, real tight to cover and they want contact with cover because you know, I've caught so, so many fish on the big joes when they're sitting tight to cover, not real active, um, making contact with the cover. And the fish will eat them with weeds on there. I mean, they have no idea what the weeds are and if it's moving 
it, uh, it, it, it's food for them. It's, uh, it's a lot of the clients will miss big fish. They won't figure out a bait that's got weeds on it, and the fish do not care about weeds. They will engulf something that's got weeds on it, and I've caught hundreds of fish on Big Joe's with weeds on them. So making, making contact with the weeds is key when those fish aren't active. Is Brad also still making the, the giant one that was called the Mojo, or did they change that just the Big Joe? No, he's making the Big Joe and the Mojo. They haven't started making the smaller sizes yet. They've been been too busy. The um, Junior Joe and the Small Joes are, are ones that I used to use early season, but I'll still catch them on the Big Joe in June. Not particularly not that, that big a bait. And, uh, I'll actually catch quite a few large mouths and tons of uh, pike and, and walleyes on those baits too. All right, Jeff, so Big Joes are a good option. You got anything else for guys that are looking for something that maybe isn't so – so talked about, so mainstream, like again, just kind of keeping with that underlooked or overlooked, underrated and underutilized uh, theme that we have going on here. Yeah, one thing, I mean, everybody nowadays, the craze of the double-bladed stuff is everybody seems to be throwing double-bladed stuff all of the time. I mean, as far as for bucktails, uh, here in Madison, the lakes are so pressured all the time. I mean, I definitely see a big, big difference using single-bladed stuff. Um, versus double bladed stuff um, all season long. I mean, spring through through the fall, uh, springtime, and into June, uh, I throw uh, a lot of rabbit squirrels, and I definitely, definitely see days that I'm doing way better on the single blade than the double blade. I mean, by by a landslide, I had a lot of days this year where uh, my clients throwing the um, single bladed ones, and I was trying to throw the double ones behind them, and I couldn't hardly uh, move a fish on them. Um, they just seemed to really, really like the thump of the single blades they're not used to it with everybody throwing doubles spanky also makes a, a munchkin that's a single nine i know you carry that i've done very very well on in the summer and in the fall uh, particularly when there's a lot of guys around throwing double bladed stuff i mean just that small vibration of that uh thing or different vibration i shouldn't say small vibration different vibration of that single is something that the fish aren't used to feeling or, or seeing and it um, definitely provokes a lot of strikes at a lot of different times of the year. On the rabbit squirrels, Jeff, do you prefer the 8-inch the size or do you prefer that 5-inch size? Early, I like the 5-inchers. Um, definitely the first couple weeks of the season. And I do some trips for northern pike for people, too, and I'll use those in June. But most of the time, by June, I'm throwing the 8-inch the rabbit squirrel for sure. So, I mean, that's not really that, that big a bait. And, um, and the pike pike sure like that size too but uh catch a lot of nice muskies on, on on both sizes too so back in the day they used to make a willow bladed version if they actually made that again jeff would you throw it um yeah definitely yeah i had gotten some from billy in the past and uh and had caught some fish on them but um yeah that's, that's another thing the fish aren't, aren't used to seeing so um yeah another good bait got that Brad? right under the bus Whitman. Right under the bus. <laughs> well, when he brought up the rabbit squirrel, I couldn't just like I'm like, well, this is a perfect opportunity for me. So, <laughs> wow! All right, I see how this is gonna go. It's 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 gonna go just fine. I'm just trying to help you sell more baits. That's all. Okay. All right. Sounds good. So, when can we expect those willow blades? By the way. <laughs> Don't press your luck, Jeff. Brad. Come on, help me out over here. Uh, there may or may not be um, something coming. How's that sound? Sounds very, it sounds very inconclusive. I'm looking for a, yeah, they'll, <laughs> they'll be available on this day. I, I don't know the day, Jeff, but we're definitely uh, looking at that. That's for sure. All right, I'll keep pushing. I've been doing it for about a year, so maybe I'll get what I want eventually. We've had a lot of projects, a lot of irons in the fire, so, you know, that's part of it, too. But uh, but definitely, yeah, I mean, no, the, the squirrels are time-consuming. With no shows this year, you'll have plenty of time to work on them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. Well, maybe you can come up here, Jeff, and help us a little bit here in the next month. <laughs> oh. It's crazy, man. You know, this is a crazy time of the year for us. We're doing initial orders for a lot of big stores. And so, you know, time kind of is precious. But definitely, you're right, without the shows, it's um, it's freed us up a little bit. I'm hoping to maybe go ice fishing a little bit, too. 
Jeff doesn't do any of that ice fishing stuff down there. No, I'll be uh, doing some, some coyote hunting. Nice. So, Jeff, if anybody's looking to book a trip with you for 2021, I would imagine you still have days available. And if you do, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Um, my best way is through my website, uh, just madisonmuskyguy.com. That has my email, my phone number on there. And um, you can go out there and see lots of big fish caught in the Madison chain in my uh, photos section and a lot of other info on there. Um, that would be the best way to find me. Perfect. Well, Jeff, we appreciate you taking some time out of your schedule. I know you're busy uh, cutting firewood and hunting these days, and so we appreciate you taking some time out and talking musky fish with us. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, thanks for having me back again. All right, our guest today is Danny Herbeck. Danny typically guides out of Andy Myers Lodge up in Eagle Lake, Ontario, Canada, and we're going to continue our conversation on underrated baits. Danny, thanks for, uh, I know you got a busy schedule, and thanks for taking some time out today to talk to us. Yeah, no problem. Once again, it's my pleasure. You know, anytime I can, uh, you know, get the opportunity to talk musky fishing when there's snow on the ground, um, it's always welcome. So, Danny, we had a couple other guests on, three of them actually, and you're the last one of our of our four. We were talking about baits that, you know, not everybody's using or utilizing. What do you have to offer when it comes to, you know, bait selection? Everything has a time and a place, obviously, but, you know, some of the baits that I have found that, at least in my opinion, that are underutilized nowadays are, one is a spinner bait. Um, it's a very versatile bait. You know, everybody associates spinner baits with throwing them in the flop and in the weeds, and they're great then, but people don't really think of throwing big, heavy spinner baits on steep, you know, steeper breaks and fishing them slower down those breaks and then burning them up at the boat. And they're virtually snag-free. So, I mean, that's, that's one bait that I've had some pretty good success on, fishing deeper water where people really wouldn't consider throwing a spinner bait. Or if they do, they throw it, you know, like a lighter version and throw it similar to a bucktail versus I'm throwing, you know, a lot of times having the guys throwing the, you know, the trolling spinner bait and fishing them, you know, extremely deep. And I've had some uh, some pretty good success throwing them. Now, you know, you're, you're talking about doing it that way, Danny. Are you also using them in that thick weed patches as well? I know that, you know, up there on Eagle, there's a ton of different weed patches that, you know, it, it's pretty cool. I know I've fished with your dad multiple times, and you're basically just kind of chopping those weed, weed beds apart. So it's another place that you probably utilize it as well, correct? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, but, you know, everybody kind of, if you see somebody with a spinnerbait, they associate it, you know, with throwing them in shallow weeds and stuff like that. And when you do, I mean, that's where they're designed to excel is in, you know, in thick cover and stuff like that and fish shallow, right? Um, so that's when I, you know, obviously I thought of, you know, a bait that nobody really throws that I've had a lot of luck on is, you know, the heavier style, the heavier style spinnerbait you know, and be able to fish that, that deeper column with, you know, a bladed bait where you can't necessarily fish a bucktail the same type of, of, of way, right? Yeah, for sure. So do you know, what, what kind of uh, spinnerbaits do you prefer? Do you like using ones with uh, Colorado blades or are you looking at willow blades? What, what are you throwing well, mostly? It's, you know, it's, it depends. Like if I'm wanting something, you know, obviously with a little less thump, thump and to and to fall a lot faster, I'll throw something with a willow, a willow leaf, you know what I mean? So I can, it can fall faster and I can reel it a lot faster, um, down at those depths. If I'm looking to more slow roll something, you know, along those deeper edges, then I'll go to a Colorado. I mean, it's, it's a horse of peace. I mean, um, I throw them both and I've had equally as the, you know, the same amount of success on them. It just depends, you know, what the fish are doing, you know, if the, if I'm wanting to fish something slower and the fish are a little bit more sluggish, well, then I'll throw, you know, obviously a Colorado so I can and fish it slower. That completely makes sense. So uh, the other part is, do you add anything to your spinnerbaits, um, putting plastics on the back end or anything like that? Yeah, usually I'm looking to throw on a big Magumbo, you know, some some sort of bigger style, style twister tail just to give it that little bit of extra action. Um, and I found even like yeah, I even I use twister tails on pretty much a lot of my stuff. Even bucktails, I put them on. It just I find it can't it can't really necessarily hurt um, at times. So it's uh, I've always liked putting them on. 
Cool. Sounds like a obviously a bait that, and I, I agree with you, I mean, based on sales too, you know, a lot of guys aren't jumping in and throwing spinner baits. For, you know, the the people that are looking to add something to their arsenal for 2021, do you have another option for them too that's something that's maybe a little more overlooked as well? I mean, I got, you know, there's, I've found too, especially when you're fishing like pressured waters, clear pressured waters, um, you know, your smaller type of, of crankbaits, you know, everybody associates, you know, throwing crankbaits, you know, I'm talking like your, you know, your styled crankbaits that you're that's usually ripping on, you know, like your, your Jake's and your grandma's and stuff like that. But I'm, you know, downsizing to, um, you know, like a five or six inch style doesn't necessarily have to be a grandma or a Jake, but like a lot of the, the smaller, like savage gear type stuff I've had really good success on, or even that, that, triple and quadruple jointed type of crankbait where you don't necessarily have to rip on it and you're getting a lot of action out of the bait and it's actually making a completely different clicking noise with all those, um, you know, pieces moving in the water. They're, they're actually making a, a clicking noise unlike any other crankbait. So like, uh, you know, like the, the Livingston Headhunter is a, a good one and the smaller version I've had a lot of success on. And it's easy for a lot of people to throw because it's got a completely different action of a crankbait and you're not having to jerk on it. So it's good for women, kids, you know, older people or people that can't, you know, have bad backs. It's really, it's a, it's an awesome bait. It's easy on people. Um, another one is, uh, a Savage Gear foreplay. It's a very small crankbait. It's, it's actually got four joints in it and I've had some really good success on that one as well. And those are, you know, five, six inch style type baits. So they're obviously smaller on the, um, spectrum of, of crankbaits to what people would necessarily think of throwing. Let's talk time and application. And then also, you know, you're talking about ripping for those of those listeners out there that don't exactly know what you're talking about. Can you kind of present how you're presenting those? Yeah. baits? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you're usually on your average flat style crankbait, you know, people general, unless you're trolling them, everybody's always, you know, implying some action, um, whether it's, you know, ripping it, pausing it. However, um, the, the reason I've kind of went towards these triple and quadruple jointed baits is that action's already in there when you don't even have to, you know, have to jerk on it. You can pause it and it does the same type of action. Right. And like when I'm throwing them too, um, you know, a lot of times post frontal high bluebird days, um, the clear waters on, on spots that have seen a lot of pressure. So it's, you know, obviously a smaller, smaller size portion bait. It's less of a commitment for fish to go after. Um, and I've, you know, and I've had success even in the fall when people are throwing giant, giant bait, um, you know, elephants eat peanuts, you know, you don't have to always throw a 12, 14 inch bait for a, for a big fish to eat it, you know, um, I found you just, you at time, I mean, don't get me wrong, big baits do work and they have their time and place, but you know, also so do these smaller baits, especially like I said, on spots that see a lot of pressure when the conditions are not necessarily in your favor and the fish are, you know, a little less active, less apt to, you know, chase down a bigger bait, and eat it. This is just a, you know, a easier option for them at times. Yeah, and it, it pretty much presents that bait right in their face. I mean, it's kind of hanging there. It's ripping, exactly. it's moving side to side. So I think it's a great application. The one bait that I always used, and I don't even think it's available anymore, was a Salmo Skinner. That thing was so awesome as far as a twitch bait. I mean, you could rip it as hard as you wanted, and it would just stay right where it needed to be. But, uh, yeah. yeah, so that was one that came to my mind right away when you started talking about it. Yeah, and then... And then, you know, one more kind of application that you don't necessarily see a lot of people throwing to is, you know, rubber in the weeds, you know, throwing, throwing, you know, your shallow bulldogs and, you know, your lighter, obviously you got to get them in, you know, in a lighter option. You can't be throwing the, you know, the big heavy stuff in the weeds, but, and keeping them up and actually put a bend in them and they'll actually, instead of jerking down, they'll jerk up. And I've actually done it as far as taking off the front treble hook and being able to fish them in and out of those weeds and jerk them. And I've had some pretty good success doing that too. The fish aren't seeing that type of bait in there. And I've had some luck with that too as well. 
Yeah, definitely a cool option. Like you said, a lot. I mean, the shallow dog is becoming a little bit more popular, but still not anywhere close to what the standard weighted stuff is. So definitely yeah. some cool options. There. Yeah, I mean, and and two, I mean, and instead of you know casting, you know, perpendicular into those weeds, if you do find that the fish are, you know, like when you're when you're going along a weed bed and you're seeing those fish, you know, on your on your bait coming straight up at the boat, all of a sudden, boom. They're there chasing the bait. Well, you know those fish aren't coming out of the weeds. They're on the edge, right? Versus, you know, on a normal day, when you're casting a bucktail, you can see the fish coming from 15, 20 feet away. So you know the fish are up in the weeds. So if you're seeing those fish coming, you know, on all of a sudden they appear at the boat on your first turn, well, you know those fish are sitting out off that, that weed edge, right? So have one guy, as you're going along, put on a bulldog and casting parallel with the weed edge, fishing that that bait down and presenting it um you know parallel with the weed edge while you're having one guy casting casting into it as well as is another way of of doing it too well danny we thank you for taking a little bit of time out of your schedule to talk about uh overlooked baits that's kind of been the theme of this episode if anybody's looking to get in touch with you for a trip for 2021 assuming that people can get through to canada which i, I don't know have you heard anything about that whether they think that's a realistic possibility or not I mean, everybody's hopeful with these vaccines coming out. Um, Canada hasn't recently released anything new as, as far as border openings. So we're kind of at a standstill still. But, I mean, I just, I don't know how they can keep them closed for another season. But I said that when this all started, too. So it's hard to say what's going to happen. I am remaining very, very hopeful with uh, these vaccines and uh, we'll just have to see what happens from, from there, obviously. Absolutely. So if somebody's looking to book a trip with you for next year, how do they go about doing that? Um, you can contact me personally at 807-216-8866 or you can talk to Julian at Andy Myers Lodge where I guide out of and, um, or, you know, just hit me up on social media at, uh, you know, on my Facebook page or Instagram um, and we can kind of go from there. So, yeah, it's, uh, we'll just hope and see that, uh, you know, obviously everybody can come and enjoy Canada here shortly. That's, uh, that's the main thing I'm hopeful for right now. Yeah, we certainly hope for the same. So thanks again, Danny. We really appreciate it. I know you're short on time today, and so we're, we'll try to get you out of here as quick as we can. But thanks again. And, uh, you know, if anybody's looking to get up to Canada, hopefully we can still do that. Give Danny a shout. Sounds good. Have yourselves a good day. Thank you. All right, there you have it. We talked about underrated, underutilized, overlooked baits. Brad and I couldn't come up with a, a consensus on what we were trying to get there with baits. But, you know, there's always certain baits that that a guy has success with that isn't so mainstream or, you know, talked about. So we wanted to kind of talk to these guys about that. And it was great to get four different opinions on this from i would say we probably covered the gamut as far as four different locations we were in northern wisconsin we were in southern wisconsin we went to minnesota and we went to canada so we kind of hit the uh hit the whole midwest upper midwest area i know we still have some guys that want us to hear from illinois musky anglers or musky guides down in illinois and we fully plan to circle back on doing that but with this episode, if you liked what we did and you thought what we did was cool and you wanted to hear more of this type of, uh, we'll call it guide panel type of thing, just something different for us to do. We have a little bit more time in the winter to put these podcasts together. And this was, it was kind of an, an undertaking as far as time is concerned. Don't you think, Brad, we had to schedule quite a few more guys and a few more, a little bit more time in there to get all this to come together. But I think it was, uh, I think it was a cool idea, but ultimately it's up to the listeners of whether you guys think it was a cool idea. Yeah, I, I like the whole concept, and I have another one up my sleeve, possibly too, Jeff, where maybe we get two of these guys on at the same time, and basically we could, uh, you know, kind of bounce back and forth between the two. I think that would even make it even cooler in some ways, but I don't know if that's possible on the recording side, but definitely I enjoyed it, so I, I think I think the majority of the people will as well. I think we should get like a Green Bay guide and a St. Clair guide on there. Have like Musky Battle Boy or Musky Battle Royale, you know? Like, no, Green Bay's better. No, St. Clair's better, you know? <laughs> that kind of deal. Yeah, it's definitely possible that uh, 
something like that, or maybe it's bait specific, or who knows? I mean, you could you could create a bunch of different like little battles, like you're saying. Absolutely, but I guess the main reason to do this is it it was partially for mine and Brad's sanity. We've done. I don't know how many episodes, 85, where we mostly did one guide, and it was a similar format, different topics every time, different seasonality and whatever, but I was just looking to mix it up for a little bit, see if we can't play around with something. Plus, I wanted to make the editing process that much more difficult. But anyways, uh, you know, we thank everybody for listening to this episode. Brad, you got anything to add to it before we sign off? Well, just the last thing, I guess I'm going to remind everybody about the 12 days of Christmas and the 12 days of deals that Musky Mayhem Tackle is going to be putting out, so probably be able to find it on Instagram, Facebook, and I know Carrie's planning on doing an email uh, blast, so hopefully everybody uh, participates, and I think it'll be a fun little deal. Cool. So get out there, register to get there. If you make a purchase, you can register to get involved in that $100 gift card, so that's pretty cool. And so once again, we just want to thank everybody for listening to another episode of Backlash Podcast, and we'll see everybody next week.